Well, a little bit of a. Is that, is that okay? Does that sound all right? Oh, not quite yet. How's that? How about now? How about now? <laughs> Still got a little bit of a twang on it. You can turn me down, I'll just shout louder. People outside can hear now. How's that? That is actually a lot better. Um, <clears throat> okay, well, um, we are starting a new series, and the series really is... Um, <clears throat> it, I, we re- I really have a heart that, 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 that wants to equip the church and, and, sh- and, and share God's truth with the church so that we can be equipped to receive all that God has for us and move forward into... Uh, into the future that he has for us. Uh, one of the things that, that um, we know is that um, the devil's primary objective is to lie to us so that he can steal from us. Uh, that's what he's like. That's his nature. Uh, and, and therefore, um, lies are his, his main weapon. Um, and while we're believing lies, we're being robbed of all that God has for us. It's very important for us to have the solid foundation of the truth, God's truth in our lives, so that we can receive all that he has for us. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Now, there's a lot of voices uh, speaking to us through the television box, through our workplace, um, through social pressure, uh, telling us how to live our lives and telling us what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, uh, and what the definition of things are. Uh, and really, this series, we want to align ourselves with God's definition of truth uh, and what God, um, God believes about things and what, what we should believe about things. Um, uh, subject number one is, is, is the truth about love. Uh, big, big subject, I know, and uh, I'm going to try to say something fresh. Uh, I realise that I've, uh, I, I have spoken on this subject quite a few times and, and I don't want to bore you to tears. But if I do, I'm sorry. Hopefully I'll get something out of it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so let's go for it. God's heart of love. Um, it, it, God's nature is love. So if we... Um, if we uh, you're going to need your Bibles today. I'm just going to let you know that. We're going to be all over the place uh, and, and the main reason for that is, well, maybe if I, I'm not particularly on fire today, at least you can't say you didn't get the word. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, first we're going to be going to uh, 1 John 4. So that's 1 John 4, verses 7 to 11. Uh, and uh, I haven't done this for a long time, but I might get somebody else to read. <laughs> Pete's looking up. He knows it's going to be him. Got your feet. There you go, bro. Seven to eleven. No, no, it all comes through. Goes through the board. Yeah. Seven to eleven. Seven to eleven, please. Seven to eleven. So, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one each other. Amen. Thank you very much. Wow. These are pretty weighty statements, um, but the, really the one I want to pick up on there is it says, for God is love. God is love. Uh, not God, God is loving sometimes, but God's very nature uh, is love. Uh, and, and, and as we really try to unwrap that a little bit, um, we, we find that everything he does is come, flows from this heart of love. Uh, and really, it's an, an illustration of how we need to be. Uh, but <clears throat> let's look at it. God's heart of love, what does it do? It creates man so that he can love man. <laughs> uh, his, his total heart of love um, is why we are here. When we look at God himself, the Trinity, we look at, we look at three, three persons in one. We look at a relationship of love flowing perfectly. And so we see that God is love uh, in completeness. And love is the foundation uh, of everything that God does and who he is. Uh, Let's get in our Bibles again. I'm going to read this one. We we, we don't need to flick to it. Romans 8, uh, verses... Romans 8, 39... Nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing high, nothing wide, nothing depth, no person, no situation, no amount of sin, no nothing can separate you from the love of God. How about that? No nothing. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. And do you know what? That takes years to sink in sometimes for people. When people have been damaged so badly, just to realise that someone just loves them completely. There's a completeness in God's love. There's, a, there's an unconditionality about God's love, which is different from any other type of love. Uh, so when we're talking about God's love, we're talking about a, something that is purer. Something that is... More intense, uh, more unadulterated than anything and any other type of love that anybody else can offer you. And that's the truth. In fact, God's, God's spiritual nature, God is spirit, we know that. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God is spirit. And the nature of the spirit is love, pure love. That is the nature of the spirit. What is the nature of the flesh? The nature of the flesh is selfishness or self-love. That's the nature, that's the pure nature. When you, when you really dig deep down into pe- why people do things the way they do, it's because they love. They love themselves. Uh, and we're going to unwrap that a little bit today. Um, <clears throat> but the context of, of this this unconditional love is is God's God has a context for his love and understanding that is really doing my head in quite a lot but um, 
what I've worked out is that the context of God's love is his truth and his righteousness and his holiness. They are part of his love. They cannot be separated from his love. If you want to go outside of those things, God's love cannot, cannot be with those things. Does that make sense? And that's really hard to understand because we just read that verse that God's love cannot be separated. We cannot be separated from God's love. It's a bit of a contradiction, right? And this is something that I've struggled with a little bit to, to try and figure out what does it mean. And the best way I can describe this, I'm going to try and describe this for a story, uh, the story of the prodigal son. And many of you may know it. Um, father uh, has his estate and he has two sons um, and he, it's, I assume it's some sort of land and farm and, and one day the, the younger son comes and says do you know what dad I want what I want I want to leave I want all my inheritance now and I want to go off and I want to do what I want the things that I want to do I can't do here I'm going to have to go away and do them I know that that's what the son says, and he says, I will take, I, I want my inheritance now. You think, okay, that's a bit disrespectful. Um, but the father, in all of his love, what does he do? He gives it to him. I can't believe it. it it's, he gives him, imagine that. Imagine selling half your property and giving it to one of your kids, knowing full well that they are hell-bent on, on wasting it. <laughs> but you do it because of love. Because of pure love. That says, I love you so much, I can't decide for you, I'm going to have to let you make your own decisions. Isn't that a wonderful aspect of God's love? He doesn't force you to do anything. He doesn't force us to do anything. He lets us make our own decisions. Because he loves us. And so, the son goes off, and he wastes all his, his money on... Um, parties uh, living it up women everything and he enjoys every moment until guess what it all runs out and everybody who is there for false purposes just to get with him when the good, the good times are flowing they disappear and he ends up um, working on a farm feeding the pigs uh, and he hasn't even got enough food so he eat, gets down and he eats the pig's food and I was on holiday last week and pig styes stink literally they hum um, <laughs> and so he was in a pretty low place and then he, what he did is he, he said he came to his senses and he said even the servants in my father's house have it better than I do even they have a good meal on the table. They are treated well. They're respected. They have good clothes. Oh, I'll go back to my father's house and I'll say, look, father, I'm no longer worthy to be a son. I'm no longer worthy to be a son. Uh, and, um, but can I just be a servant in your house? And uh, Maybe you'll have mercy on me. Uh, and so what happens is the son... He starts travelling back to his father's house uh, and his father is waiting at the window for his son. He loves his son so much. His, son, his, his love for his son has never diminished. And when he sees his son coming, what does he do? 
He runs out to his son and he grabs him and he picks him up and he hugs his son doesn't even get a word out. He doesn't even get to say, I'm sorry. He doesn't even get to say, oh, I'll work it off. I'll work my way back. He doesn't even get a chance for that because the father says, oh, I love you so much. You're my son. You've returned. And, and he's accepted. And the ring is put on his finger and a feast is had for him. Uh, and what we see is the father's heart of love for each individual one of us. Uh, and and <clears throat> there's a few things that struck me about this story. God, the father gave the son free will to choose what he wanted to do. And the son chose, <laughs> chose badly. Did he retract his love? No. The love was still available. He could have returned at any time. The love was flowing and the father's heart was one of pain and and wanting the son to come back. Um, But the son chose to go outside of the boundaries of the blessings of the father's love, didn't he? He chose to step outside that boundary um, and say, I will go off and do what I want to do. God's holiness and righteousness stays within that, that boundary. Uh, and we have to understand that if we want to receive the blessings of God's love, then our hearts are going to have to move back into a place, in, back into his kingdom, back into his house, back into his way of doing things. Does that make sense? And then the blessings flow again. Uh, and it's a hard lesson because part of us wants to have our cake and eat it, doesn't it? But sin cannot dwell inside God's kingdom. It will ruin God's kingdom. That's why he can't let it in there. And so we must be aware that we, we can't bring our sin in with us. Something has to, to um, that sin has to be dealt with. Now, one thing that's really key from this story that I, I just want you to understand is the son was accepted back, not because of what he did to get back in. Okay, the father's love is bigger um, than what you can earn. Does that make sense? So, if the father loves you when you're far off, you think he's you know you don't have to work, work you don't have to work it off to get his love back. His love is always flowing for you. But there is there is a condition in a sense. The son had to come to a place in his heart of truth now the truth was I got it wrong I've messed up he had to humble himself Uh, and that is the truth of God's love the blessings of God's love will flow for you when you humble yourself and you come into the truth and the reality of your own life God's way is the way not my way and so we need to accept that there's no action required and this is so important there is no action required to receive God's love I'm going to bang that drum all day I'm going to go on to my next slide <laughs> God's heart of love uh, is one of intense jealousy sounds a bit odd right <laughs> God says for I'm God I'm a jealous God that's what our Bible say And he loves you with an intense jealousy. How about that? This is God's heart. I don't want to share you with anybody else. That's his heart for you. 
I don't want you to be in love with somebody else and in love with me. I just want you to be in love with me. And isn't that the right feeling? You think, oh, well, isn't that the right feeling to have? Imagine you married to someone uh, and they say, I love somebody else now. Uh, And then you say, oh, okay. You know, say, I've been with somebody else. And you say, oh, I can't believe it. I'm devastated. You've, You've broken my heart. Uh, but God's love goes further and it says, well, forgiveness, there's forgiveness. Imagine you could get to a place, oh, I'm going to forgive you for what's happened in the past. And then they said, well, actually, no, I won't want to stay with that person and be with you as well. You'd say, I can't do that. It's either me or them. And that's how God is with us. His love is so intense and so jealous, he will say, no, it's me or them. It's me or sin. You pick. He lets us decide. But don't mistake that for not loving you. That's a real, proper love. Uh, And the love that we should have within our own relationships with God and with our spouses What does God say? When when Jesus was asked, well, well, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? What is the commandment that carries the most weight? What is the heaviest thing that, that, that you could say? What could you say? What what does Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and mind. And love your neighbour as yourself. Now, what I found is um, if you try and love your neighbour first before you love God, and that includes all church work, if you try to put that before God, it drains the life out of you. It leaves you completely drained and empty. Because other people's love cannot and will not fuel you like God's love will. Because God's love is like, um, (laughs) um, what is it? Supreme 97 from the petrol station. (laughs) Does that make sense? (laughs) It's not like the normal fuel. It's purer. Does that make sense? It's purer. Therefore, it's like more, it's like concentrate. (laughs) Does that make sense? Uh, And therefore, it fuels you. His love, his perfect love. Now, other people's love, it's good. I'm not saying other people's love isn't good. But it's slightly tainted with a mixture of something else. It's slightly watered down. Does that make sense? I won't sing tainted love to you. But there's a truth in it. Their love cannot sustain you. God's love can. If you want to be a Christian, God's love is the only thing that can sustain you. The relationship with God is the only thing that can sustain you. Right.
Okay, we're going to go in our Bibles again. Romans 5. I'll find Romans 5, verses 7 and 8. Can't find Romans. There we are. Here we go. So this is probably, I've got two things uh, that I want to share in their wholeness um, on love. Uh, The first is God's sacrificial love. Okay? Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? While we were still sinners, in other words, while we were far off, just like the prodigal son, Christ died for us. Well, this is amazing, because this means that Christ died for me when I was a total mess up. It means I haven't got to do anything to earn this love. There's nothing I can do. The love was already given to me. At my worst point, there was pure love for me. Uh, isn't, isn't that fantastic? But something I want to pick up on. Love costs. Real love costs. And it costs the giver. And if you're going to love people, you need to understand that. There's no shortcuts to loving people. Straight up, there's a cost. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you a little story. <clears throat> okay, this is a little story about two brothers. Uh, I read about a river town where Sam was continually being dredged up from the riverbed and left in high piles on the riverbank. This was the place where the boys loved to play. Oftentimes, the sand piles, though dry on top, were still waterlogged beneath the sun-baked, crusted surface. Some years ago, two boys were late home from dinner, so their parents went looking for them. When they found their bicycles outside the fence where the sand piles were banked high, they called for the boys, but but no answer came. The family and other rescuers searched frantically in and around the sand piles and eventually found one of the boys buried up to his neck. He was barely alive. When they found him, they dug furiously to rescue him. When he was freed from the waist up and able to breathe properly, his panic-stricken parents and rescuers asked, Where is your brother? Where is your brother? And the younger boy said, I'm standing on his shoulders. And so we see there, there's a... (laughs) We see God's love. There's a cost. One brother gave his life so his other brother could live. There's a cost. If you're going to love people, it's not a light thing. It's not an easy thing. And this is what I'm understanding more and more about God's love. 
It's not a wishy-washy feeling. Love is not pleasure. The world gets it mixed up, I think, sometimes. Love is a feeling. How do you feel? People stay in relationships for as long as it works for them. And then when they don't feel like it, well, they move on. And that's the message that this world is pushing. Do whatever makes you feel good. Love is not a feeling, it's an act of your will. That's a, that's a big statement. And it's one that we really need to consider uh, when we are deciding a few things. Does someone love me? That's a big question, isn't it? Does someone love me? If we're deciding who we should be with, do they really love me or not? These are, t- taking God's standard is, is a good idea to find out if someone really loves you. Don't, don't be with someone because they look good. <laughs> you know, there's a, oh, he's got nice muscles. He's buff. Maybe that's a good reason to be with someone. I'm sure that's why Zayn's with Joel. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm just being silly, but do you know what I mean? There must be more depth than just talk. There's got to be substance to love. If someone says to you, I love you, I love you, maybe they're good at talking. Maybe they're charismatic. Maybe they're a charmer. I love you. And maybe they say a lot of lovely things and you're you're almost under their spell. But the reality is, that's just words. That's the reality. The depth of love cannot be measured or expressed through words, but through action. Love is an action. It's not, it's not, it's not a nice, oh, I feel in love. <laughs> Sometimes, the action of love can make you feel that way. I'm not saying that feelings aren't real and I'm not saying deny your feelings. And one thing I must say is that the Spirit of God brings out feelings of love in you that are contrary to your nature. It makes you give when you don't really want to give. Does that make sense? Now we need to, to look at love in the context of um, how much are you willing to give. But I'd take it a step further. How much are you willing to give up? Does someone really love you? Do you really love them? Do you really love God? What's the measuring stick of love? Well I would say how much are you willing to give up? And we can say, how does Jesus stack up on this stick? (laughs) Well, he stacks up pretty high. Jesus' heart says, I'll give it all. Even though you don't love me. Even though you're far off. Even though you, you, you want to beat me. What does Jesus say on the cross? Forgive them, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. His love is pure. 
And it costs. It costs him a lot. It costs him everything. But we need to get that into our mentality when we think about love. Because some of us have to decide, does this person really love me? And some of us need to decide, do I really love my family? Am I, am I really loving my neighbour? And this is your measuring stick. Do I actually care? Am I actually giving anything up for them at all? You know, I, I, I bet if I said, um, <clears throat> I bet if I said, oh, oh, I'm, oh uh, I really need a drink. Would someone go and get me a drink? I'm sure there would be at least two or three people who would be like, oh, yes, yes, oh, oh, I'm happy to get you a drink. Come and bring me a drink. That'd be lovely. Terry's shaking his head. He's saying no. <laughs> but this is, the, this is the test. What about when you're in bed in the evening and your wife says, oh, I really do the drink. What's your reaction? Is it, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll get one for you. Or is it, oh. <laughs> Just the little things, isn't it? It's a sacrifice. There's a cost. There's nobody looking. It's just you and them. <laughs> There's no... Do you see what I mean? Don't let people buy your love. You know, there's... Love is about cost, not about... You know, if someone's got tons and tons and they, they're constantly giving a little bit to you, it doesn't really cost them because they've got so much. And then they, they, want, they want something for it. We need to be careful of that. We need to understand this person hasn't really given up anything for me, but they're making me feel like they have. <laughs> Does that make sense? We need to be careful of that. Uh, and, you know, and w when we look at loving God, do we say, I'm willing to give out of what really is going to hurt me? Or we say, I'm only, uh, I'm only willing to give out my excess. That's a really good marker. Of, of where your love is and how much love you're willing to, to give. Corinthians 13 says this. Uh, love bears no thought for itself. It's not self-seeking and it doesn't demand its own way. We must do it my way. We must do what I want to do. I'm doing this for you, but there's strings attached. That's not love. That's self-seeking, isn't it? And, and, and the world has a self-seeking love. In fact, there's a lot of people out there who are very loving in the world. But sometimes when you get to the root of why people are really doing something, it's because they want something. Why do people love their families so much? Why is family so important? Because family provides me with everything I need. And that's why I'm willing to invest. What about someone who can't give you anything back? All right. So I think we've covered that bit off. The second aspect of God's love is truth. One of them that I want to share. Um, it's God's truth. It's truth. Truth in love is so important, isn't it? You know, and uh, uh, being able to trust someone, there's an element of truth there, isn't there? That's so important within love. 
Um, but there's another element of truth which is so important to, to, to God. His ways are perfect, us understanding his ways and moving in his righteousness and his truth brings blessing. It just does. Uh, and it brings eternal blessing. And, and he's not trying to get us to, to, to follow his truth because, um, because he just wants to have everything his way all the time. God's truth is the best way to be. That's the, that's the honest bottom line of it. His way is the best way. There's no baggage his way. I mean, that's amazing. His way of truth, there's no baggage. Absolutely none. Um, so let's, let's have a little look. Uh, there's, there's something that I want to point out, which I think goes a little bit against our Englishness. Does that make sense? We're English, aren't we? Not all of us, but we all live in England, and it creeps up on you. We can be a little bit prideful at times, I think as a nation, and our way. Uh, and we don't like to let people tell us what to do. Sound familiar? Part of our culture? I'll do what I want to do, thank you. And that's a, that can be our sort of, look, I'm happy to do the smiley part of love and the handshake and the hug and the, and the are you all right? And lovey-dovey. I'm happy for all that bit, but don't tell me what to do. I'm not willing to accept that type of love. That makes sense. And yet, God's, when we look at God's love, there, there is a, a spirit of discipline and correction that comes from God that we need to accept. Except it's hard, isn't it? Because of our pride. But this is God's love, this, uh, this, this spirit of correction. And uh, there's a great verse on it. I'm going to give it to you now. Hebrews 12. I can look that one up. Hebrews 12, verses 5 and 6. Now, this is a interesting. It says, this is an encouragement. Okay. And have you forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons and daughters? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. It's tough when you get told off, isn't it? It's even tougher when you get told off when you're grown up. Isn't it? Who are they to tell me? You can feel like that, can't you? Well, I know what I'm doing. Who, who are they? You know, and yet, let's keep going anyway. It says, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. The Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. <laughs> doesn't sound quite right, does it? But that's the truth. Is and I'm trying to wrestle with this one a little bit and try and maybe find a scenario that might help you to think about this in a positive way. Because it, at the start of that, it said, 
Have you forgotten this word of encouragement? And you read that and you think, oh, that doesn't sound very encouraging. I'm going to get told off and punished. How about this? Your child is standing in the middle of the road. Um, and <clears throat> there's a car coming. Okay? Car's coming down the road and they're standing in the middle of the road. And you say, you need to get out of the road. The car, there's a car coming in the distance. And they say, you need to tell me what to do. I'll make my own decisions. Okay? <laughs> you can do what a lot of you know, which I don't think would be very loving, and go, well, fine, it's your own life. There's a 70-mile-an-hour car coming. It's your own life, do what you like. I'll leave you to it. Is that love? No, they're going to get mowed down. <laughs> so what happens in that instance? Sometimes love is more than smiles and letting people do whatever they want. I'll tell you what I would do. I would start shouting, Get out of the road! What are you doing? <laughs> and it wouldn't just be once. I would shout and I would shout and I would shout and I would run towards them and I would try and pull them out of the road. Okay? So wait a second. What you're saying, Pat, is that love includes shouting. Yeah, it does. There are times where, when love is, is rebuke. Does that make sense? There's times when love is correction and doesn't feel nice. It doesn't feel nice for the giver, but we've talked about this, haven't we? There's a cost. There's a cost to loving people. And as a parent, it's hard, isn't it? You know, and your kid is screaming and crying and saying, I don't want to be told off. And you just think, oh, the last thing I want to do is be telling you off. I just want to go and do whatever you want to do. You know, just leave me alone. And you know, sometimes you can feel like that as a parent, but you know, oh, there's an emotional cost to this parenting. Does that make sense? <laughs> and, it, you know, the Bible talks, what does it say? Spare the rod, spoil the child. There's got to be consequences. We need to teach our children consequences. Why? Because it's love. Consequences is love. We don't want our kids to grow up with no fear of consequences we know that hell is around the corner kids need to know consequences punishments need to be put in place why? because we love them is the church any different? the church family <laughs> we're all grown ups but yet there has to be space for rebuke and discipline because it's love. So how do we encourage each other? Sometimes we have to have a chat with... Has anyone in the church ever come and said, look, I'm, I don't think you should be doing that. Or I don't think that's the best way. Or, or maybe you should do this. Or maybe you should do that instead. Or I don't think the path you're on is good for you. And we think, well, I don't listen to that. Oh, who are they to talk to me? You know, so there's two things I want to bring out of this. One... If, if God's love is in your heart, your heart must be open enough to receive discipline and correction. He must expect that. 
Hopefully it's done within a very loving context. Does that make sense? But secondly, if your heart is a heart of love and filled with God's love, there's going to be times where it's your, it's your time to, to help somebody else. Oh dear, I don't want to do that. I'm happy to tell everyone that Jesus loves them, but I'm not happy to tell them that they're doing something wrong. Well, who else is going to tell them if you won't tell them? There has to be space for it within our own hearts. Um, the, the, the love within us causes us to go to someone and, and, and help them see that maybe they're not going in the right direction. So let's, let's just go to one more verse. Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. I'm just going to read it. Instead, speak the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him that, that is the, the head that is Christ. It says, instead speak truth in love. Can't be one without the other. Can't be one without the other. It's really, really key. You know, if you're just saying loving things to people that aren't true, that's not love. Oh, you're great. You're fantastic. Carry on doing whatever you're doing. No. That, that might not be the truth. And so we have to be, if we're going to love people, we're going to have to understand that there might be a cost to us. I'm going to read something. This is uh, Tim Keller. Love without truth is sentimentality. It loves and affirms us but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information but not in a way, uh, but not in a way that we can really hear it. God's saving love is Christ. Uh, sorry, God's saving love in Christ however, is marked with both radical truthfulness about who we are and radical, unconditional commitment to us. That's the thing. If you're going to correct someone, you better, you better make sure that you love them. If you're going to tell someone off, you better make sure you're there for them. Does that make sense? Don't go around telling people off if you haven't loved them first. If you know that you're, you've been there with them through the, through the hard times, that you've sat there and listened and pulled their heart out time and time again, that's the place that gives you the opportunity. Not just because you know best and you've seen a uh, speck in somebody else's eye. Make sure the context for truthfulness is love. Does that make sense? God's love is constant. Jesus under pressure just oozes love. Just more and more of it. If the love of Jesus is in you, your heart will be full of love for more than just yourself. For more than just your family. It will reach out. It has to because that's God's heart. It pours out and our whole church vision is that God's love will pour out. Into us, out of us. And I'm going to, I think we're going to finish there. Uh, I hope that some of the things I've said today are helpful. Um, 
God's love is, is so much better than what we expect from others. Um, God's love is so much more pure and perfect and we need to receive it straight from him. Okay? Uh, I think I'll pray.